intro. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, you kind of killed it. I had to write it down and still <laughs> stuttered. <laughs> it was word for word. We're good. <laughs> no, you did good. Um, I love how you don't even know, like, we didn't even talk about the third topic. Like, we thought we were talking about two completely different things. Yeah, well, that's how much is going on in the world at schools. <laughs> also how our lack of communication is showing <laughs> prior to these yeah. podcasts. I mean, like the best and the most realistic world, you're prepped together for your podcast, but like, who has time for that? You know? Oh, yeah. You, I mean, that's true. <laughs> we don't even live <laughs> near each other. <laughs> like, I have no idea what you plan on saying. You have no idea what I plan on saying. So. Well, you know, and that's, that's, it's, that's a fun way to look at it. It is. Yeah. Um, hope you know we already started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, awesome. Grandma, if you're listening. Okay, stop. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Just gotta throw up. Shout on. out to my group. <laughs> All right. I, I'm if, ready now. You can, you can cut that out. No, I won't. Sorry if the audio is really bad today. Uh, we are not in person. So this is, uh, we're doing it from our own home. So First I, virtual I, podcast. I have to speak louder, apparently. Um. So should we get started? Or well, how was your week? I haven't talked about uh, it week or weekend both combined it was pretty good it was really busy this weekend but here i am now on a monday evening so go me i uh i don't really know what to do with that information <laughs> <laughs> i have finals next week so this fun. upcoming weekend is going to be a lot of fun and a lot of studying so just kind of enjoy my week of freedom right now you know a good student probably get ahead on studying so he want to have as much to do this weekend but I don't define myself as a good student. So. Neither does your dad. <laughs> <laughs> good thing my dad doesn't listen. <laughs> um, <laughs> my dad doesn't even know we do this. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, lovely. I actually I went to the new. You know the new hockey rink they built. You hear about that? Wait, competition center. I guess that's what it's called. It's really nice. Are you talking about where NC State's playing and the Hurricanes new practice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went there. Super nice. I've heard. I've seen like a tour, like a video tour that looks pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's warm in there, though. It was weird. It was, it was kind of warm. <laughs> that's, that's random. No. Okay. I guess, yeah. Maybe that's like, because I played. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's more of a, you know, had to play. Is it one rink or is it? No, there's two. That's yeah. dope. Yeah. Or any game of hockey in the South, I'm all for it, you know? Um, yeah, let's hope my my, my, my uh, computer doesn't die. forgot to grab that charger, so at some point, I'm going to have to leave and grab that. All right. Um, so I'm just going to state what I found on MSN, uh, but I'll let you take it away right after. So a uh, video shared by BuzzFeed News reporter Zoe. Uh, Zoe Tillman on Twitter showed dozens of people breaching the Capitol in Washington, D.C. During the clip, supporters of former President Donald Trump could be seen entering through smashed windows and doors before proceeding to walk further into the building. As of Thursday morning, the one-minute clip <clears throat> has been viewed more than 1.7 million times on social media platforms. Right-wing commentator John Cardillo made light of the footage and shared the clip with a tweet. Oh, I can't say that word. H-word. <clears throat> they weren't even trespassers. They were a tour group. Jordan, I know this is the topic you really want to talk about, so I'll let you take it away. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of what that H word is, but anyway. Heck. Uh, uh, you are not much of a thinker today, are you? Sorry, I was like not like totally listening, and I only heard you say H word, and I was like, "What H word is he talking about?" So, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go watch the video before listening to this because it's definitely interesting. And to hear how much the Democrats wanted to keep it away from the public eye now that it's out, and it's an only a short video, um, just showing people literally entering the Capitol. What was deemed you know, January 6th, a bad insurrection day, and that you have uh, these Democrats comparing to 9-11 and all these other extreme American events, which, and I, I feel like conservatives too, they maybe have downplayed a little bit too much of January 6th. And I want to make that clear that that's not, it should be the intention. I mean, it was, it was bad and it was wrong and um, it should be condemned. But to compare it to what they have with uh, 9-11 and Pearl Harbor and all these uh, attacks that took thousands of lives on American soil is just, I, I can't fathom how you even can draw the comparison there. And then also, too, you think uh, the coverage of, I guess, not this past summer, but the summer before, summer 2020, the uh, Black, Lives Matter, or Black Lives Matter riots after George Floyd died and um, how Republicans came out after that when, you know, cities were burning down and they condemned it. And then the other side of the aisle, you had the Democrats not condemning it, but even encouraging it and having politicians and celebrities and come out and say that they'll bail people out of jail um, that were put in over burning buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, not, uh, so, not only athletes yeah. and not only um, uh, celebrities, but also Kamala Harris putting money, money towards the organization also, so. Yeah, and I think that's where the problem lies when we talk about January 6th and um, even the riots from last summer is not so much they should both equally be condemned. They're both bad. They both were events that happened without much merit and much reason behind them. And I feel like, you know, when you have the media downplaying one and overreacting to another, it seems a little questionable, a little unfair. And then um, obviously this video came out that the Department of Justice was trying to keep from the public eye. And it shows, you know, not what the Democrats obviously wanted to be shown with the extreme violence that they made this day out to be, where one person died that was um, shot by Capitol Police. Uh, and then also to the, there were four, four Capitol Police officers that later died a suicide that people are blaming on that day. So that's that's that too, but whether or not that's a direct relation to the day is debated. But, um, you know, it's just, I guess the big issue I have with this was the whole comparison trying to make it sound as bad as 9-11 and then just not the media not coming out and me as a conservative now equally coming out and condemning both events of the riots and um, the January 6th insurrection as both equally wrong. So, no, yeah, I'm completely there with you. Um, I feel like the farther we go away from that, we even talked about this, this on our first podcast, the farther we go away from 9-11, um, and especially, I mean, neither one of us were even close to being thought of being born. I mean, our parents weren't even born during Pearl Harbor. But the more it keeps mm-hmm. getting down downplayed, like as years go on, the more it leaves your, um, really your daily life. You know, the people you lost back then, uh, it's a sad thought, but they're not as relevant in your, in your thoughts and in your life nowadays. Um, and so to react as if what happened on Capitol 6, yes, it was a horrific event. 
but that it's anywhere near the level of those two past events where we're getting literally attacked by Japan and having military members die versus, you know, Al Qaeda running into buildings with airplanes to a bunch of people walking through the Capitol building, trying to disrupt what was going on. But one person directly dying from it, um, it is kind of, you know, mind blowing that you can make that comparison. Um, I mean, everybody was on board. I mean, you mentioned this, what was, what was um, George Bush's approval rating right after 9-11? You said it was right around 90%, was it not? Yeah. And the same thing with Pearl Harbor. You talked to any veteran from there. Everybody was going to war. It didn't matter what side of the aisle you were on, where this is definitely not bipartisan. This is this is one party attacking the other party from what happened on January 6th and ignoring what happened last summer, as if that was all for a good cause. <clears throat> all the looting and all, all the attacking of, of small businesses and all of that, as if, and pushing that aside as if it's nowhere near what happened on January 6th. Which theoretically, I mean, if you really want to draw a comparison, was when you go by violence and uh, dollars of buildings destructed and things like that was theoretically worse. And then you have the media coming out and making January 6th sounds that much worse. And then, and then I'll go touching a little bit back on the Democrats coming out and back last summer and wanting to bail people out. I mean, can you imagine if a Republican tweeted after the Capitol and said something like, if you storm the Capitol today, I want to handle your legal charges. Like, no, I mean, that's, that's completely wrong. And yet the Democrats did that last summer and obviously the Republican wouldn't have done that now. But, um, and then I know I touched on this a little bit too, Bush, uh, he got some backlash from his 9-11 speech in uh, Shanksville, um, his quote here. It's, there is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdain for pluralism and their disregard for human life and their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit. So there a lot of people said um, he was, again, drawing that comparison from 9-11 to the January 6th insurrectionists. And um, Bush has come out repeatedly and condemned the January 6th day, rightfully so. But then here, and then some people were like, well, maybe he was condemning January 6th, but maybe also condemning the riots. I mean... You know, you can draw your own conclusion from there, but I think it's pretty clear what his intention was. Well, let me stop you real quick. Um, Back when BLM was going on, he was supporting BLM. He had numerous tweets supporting them and and not condemning them whatsoever. So, um, I mean, that makes you makes you definitely think that the quote was, you know, talking about January sixth. I mean, he doesn't directly say it. That's why I don't want to come out and say, you know, because a lot of conservatives and right wing have been like he directly quoted January 6th as, you know, comparing it 9-11. And he was very broad in his determination, but I think it's pretty clear where he stands. And then obviously that was a fill day for the left and saying, you know, Bush, who's a Republican, is coming out and condemning January 6th like all Republicans should do, which Republicans did condemn it just so we didn't compare it to 9-11. That's the difference. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I don't like uh, drawing conclusions from what people's words, so I'm not going to state what my opinion on it uh i never really i i obviously i listened to when it happened i listened to clips of it i'm not i'm not gonna dive into it though um but yeah it was definitely a field day and then i saw a lot of right wingers uh attacking bush immediately after and uh like i said uh, i'm not exactly sure what exactly he's referring to or even if he's referring to a specific event at all i'm not sure um but 
you know, I'm just not, maybe not the quote you want to make on you know nine eleven. You're, I mean, I don't know if you want to come out and say something that people are going to question like that. Like, I think what your words that they should have been very clear what you're talking about and not have left gray areas. But yeah, but I mean, looking back at Bush presidency, you know, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> too old during this time, but um, uh, I. I do recall him being very vague and very gray in a lot of areas whenever he spoke. He never really backed himself um, on a lot of different topics, nor his policies. Um, so it's not surprising that this to happen, uh, that he would speak in this kind of gray area uh, talking point. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if I will say this, if he is attacking what happened on Capitol, uh, at the Capitol on January 6th, uh, it's kind of shocking that he would go towards that and not even talk about the withdrawal all that much and, and condemn that in the slightest. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways you can look at it. I'm not going to I'm not gonna draw conclusions from what he said, but, uh, yeah, he, he's a very vague guy. Uh, yeah. he, he tries to be liked by everyone, and his vagueness actually kind of made it hurt him in the long run and, and hurt uh, right. how he looked as a president because he just let people run all over him. Um, it was a little bit, um, a little bit like his dad too. They were both, both kind of similar in a way that they were vague in a way that they kind of wanted to please both sides, and it ended up coming off as just a gray area to both sides rather than really. I mean, I understand the point you're going for unity, you're going for the American message, but it, sometimes it it came off the wrong way, and I don't know. I mean, not to get caught up on Bush's presidency more time. <laughs> We always do this, though. You knew it was going to happen. Yeah. There's so many rabbit trails that every little story I'm telling you, like, you, I mean, there's so hard to stay on one topic when there's just so many things you can go off that one topic. But I think wrapping it up in total, I, the January 6th video, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's, it's interesting. It's um, pretty obvious why I'd, I think the Dems want to keep that one put away because it wasn't exactly the message they conveyed that day was. So. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah. I love the way you grab your breath. <laughs> You never really, you need to give me like a, a freaking uh, three, two, one, whenever you're going to stop talking. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> you caught me off guard with the, uh, with the intro. I was like four seconds late after you stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like waiting for the next word. <laughs> waiting to stop I'm like, yeah, I'm like middle sentence and I just like my thought stops in my head. So my words stop coming out and I'm like, okay. Did you even finish what you wrote down? For the intro. for that thought or the intro? The intro. Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> you want to finish it now? No, it's all good. Okay. I mean, I don't remember where I was, quite honestly. So. Yeah, all good. I don't remember either. Uh, in a quick second, we'll hit minimum wage. Is there anything else you want to hit on this topic? Or are we good? I'm good. All right, good. A little transition here with the music. Boop, boop, boop. What's like a lot of screen time? Like whenever you get your phone, like your phone tells you, oh, your screen time this week was X amount of hours. What's like a lot? I saw my like four. One second, I'm plugging this in. It is not plugged in. All right, I was just curious. So I was trying to figure out like if mine was like a lot, you know? Why? Don't I? Huh? What's yours normally? It's like between one and two. I mean, I, I don't know good, but, but uh, I, I'm good, so. Well, 
well, technically it's like around nine or 10. Uh, but I keep my phone all night because um, I use that app that wakes me up. So it stays on all night. <clears throat> so seven hours of it's me sleeping. Um, and then, you know, you figure like an hour for podcasts. I'm not even on my phone for two hours, maybe. That's what I'm saying. Like, like now, like my FaceTime is counting towards it. Yeah. I mean, my so much of what, so much of what we do is on our phones. Like, just practical to this point so like it's not even like having a high screen time is that bad i mean yeah like how much is mine's actually like downtime you know yeah i'm not sure all right so um minimum wage this is gonna be fun that was all um anyway this report is from the daily wire Leftists are urging that a $15 minimum wage is far too low. Instead, many are recall are calling for a $26 minimum wage. As originally noted by Foundation of Economic Ed- Education correspondent Brad Palumbo, online debate about the policy started with an August article from the Progressive Center of Economic and Policy Research. Economist Dean Baker argued that argued in the piece that the minimum wage ought to keep pace with the overall economic pr- productivity. Think of what the country would look like if the lowest paying jobs, think of dishwashers and custodians, paid 26 an hour. That would mean someone who worked 2,000 hour a year would have an annual income of $52,000. This income would put a single mother with two kids at well over twice the poverty level. And this is just for starting wages, presumably, presumably workers to see their pay increase above the minimum as they stay at their job for a number of years and ideally were promoted to better paying positions. If we assume that after 10 to 15 years, their pay had risen by 20%, then these workers at the bottom of the pay ladder would be getting more than 60,000 a year. Baker acknowledges that the policy would cause mass unemployment if implemented in the present economic order. However, he recommended fundamentally restructuring the economy such that wealthy Americans earn less income. Again, that's from the daily wire. Um, So what do you take from that? I mean, it sounds like every single Democrat policy that's ever come out sounds good on surface. It sounds like you would say, why not? And then as soon as you think about it, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Why? That's a stupid idea. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, seriously, seriously, I mean, that's that's Democrat policies. And that's why I I truly believe that so many people on the like youth side and so many uneducated people strive for or go towards them because they sound good on the surface. It's like, wow, $26 minimum wage or saying that a single mom could come out of property out of that. I mean, that's all good things. Why wouldn't we do it? And then you talk about, well, it's literally impossible to do that without um, bad consequences. So, yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, no, I, 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 perso- I personally haven't even heard the push. I mean, I always thought 15 minimum wage was their big push. Now, I mean, 26 is, I mean, 15 is crazy. 26 is, I mean, that's talking like people with, careers with a four-year college degree aren't even making that much out of college sometimes so yeah that's insane i think you hit a big point uh, that uh, democrats always looking for a perfect type of world and republicans are always looking for what's the best we can actually accomplish um so i think i think that's a point that that really makes sense um you're right though 15 dollar minimum wage was the big push but there's always going to be a bigger push um right once, never stop yeah once yeah. you accomplish one thing you're gonna want more um but as far as you know should there even be a minimum wage do you think yeah that's that's a whole other thing i'm I, mean, I know minimum wage started around the great depression but i don't know i know a lot of government policies are supposed to be temporary and ends up being permanent so i don't know if that was meant to be a temporary or permanent but either way i mean in a perfect capitalist society there shouldn't even be a minimum wage because the market should determine the price or the, the um wages but 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a, that's an interesting discussion that I honestly can't have a true opinion on because I don't, I don't know the side effects of not having a m- minimum wage at all. But I do know one thing that if you look around the population now, how many people are actually getting paid the minimum wage, which is, I believe it's seven twenty five right now. Yeah, it's, um, it's just under eight. That's what I know. And I mean, I, I think very, very few. And if you are getting paid that, you are most likely in a rural area that, uh, you know, with literally a small population that living off that wage is a lot easier than, say, living off that wage in San Francisco or New York. Um, in fact, to start to back it up, only 2.3% um, our hourly wages right now in the U.S. Uh, are 7.25. So that obviously shows you how low that number is. So, you know, the Democrats love the point, oh, the minimum wage is only 725. It's like, well, let's be realistic and look how many people are getting paid that much because businesses literally can't pay someone that low. I mean, they're not going to get anyone to work. Um, but yeah, that's my thought there. So Yeah. I, um, you mentioned that rarely anybody's actually getting paid 725. Um, I think that the companies that are having employees that are making that low is because that's as much as they can afford to pay them. Um, if, if workplaces are able to pay their uh, employees more than they're going to, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, the damage of raising the minimum wage is exactly what I just read it. The unemployment will absolutely skyrocket if you did so, because, and people always bring up, oh, you know, Walmart doesn't have to pay their employees as low as they do. Well, Walmart employs like two, two and a half million uh, people right now. If you were to double that, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're taking away, I think it'd be like a quarter of the jobs. And that's if, and that's if the, uh, I, I don't know the owner of Walmart's name. I'm going to be honest. I forgot it. Used to know it. Uh, but that's if you Dan, took a home. Dan Walton or something, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. Dan Walton. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> that's if you, if you took, if he took home $0 a year, cause he, he's taken home, what is it like a million dollars or something like that? Or like a hundred million or something. Like, I think it's a hundred million. And if, if he were to take home $0 a year with a, with the people, with how much he's paying people now, it would be, um, everyone got like 10 bucks at the end of the year. Like it's something so small and people yeah. really don't even consider it. Like if you were to raise from seven twenty five to $26, the amount of unemployment would be absolutely uh, i mean just just think logically about that thought though i mean if a company is let's say they are paying ten dollars for their workers to work and now all of a sudden they have to pay them 26 well obviously they're just not gonna have an extra 16 dollars an hour to pay every single worker so what are they gonna have to do they're gonna have to cut workers or raise costs which then hurts the consumer so then you're just creating other problems that we don't currently have right now so it's like Democrats are trying to fix the problem by creating more problems. And that's just obviously a terrible way to do it. And I I just don't understand. I mean, to me, this is like so obvious that you just shouldn't. And I don't understand why they continuously want to push something that literally makes zero economical sense. But it's also going to make it way more competitive because, you know, you think of like a, like a job like Harris Teeter, that's like going towards like high school students, right? Well, they have to cut their like employee number down to half. They're going to be taking, you know, the 25 year old rather than the four, the, you know, the 14, 15 year old. That's just not right. getting into the workforce because they're going to want the better employee if they're going to have to pay them double the amount. 
They're going to want the so person then you're, to work there for five years. So then you're taking away the high school students incentive to work. And high school students are the majority of people who make up minimum wage workers anyway. So, um, uh, yeah, that's just, but yeah, I mean, 20, 24% of minimum wage, minimum wage workers are teenagers. 16 to 24 year olds make up 50% of minimum wage workers in U.S. right now. So I still got the stats. And Democrats love the statistic of, you know, talking about single moms. And like, obviously there are single moms out there that have to work, um, you know, basically starting low-end jobs like that to make ends meet. I'm not, you know, criticizing what they have to do. But then again, you look at the, what the majority of people that are in these minimum wage jobs is are the young kids and things like that are going through school and um, just raising the minimum wage is only causing so many other problems, like I've already said. But Yeah, and um, his way of fixing it, because he does mention it at the end, is a whole other topic that we won't have time to get into today. Um, but he's talking about changing the uh entire structure uh, of the american economics to where wealthy americans will have a smaller income at the end of the day to be able to combat uh the the raise in the lower income families um, so then you're just losing the drive for people to make a lot of money i mean it's just everything it's just so just a question of one. Also, I'll touch on this real quick too. We're talking about a federal minimum wage here. And I know I touched this a little bit on our practice podcast a few weeks back, but <laughs> <laughs> I was about to call it the first episode that I remembered it never happened. But um, also the federal minimum wage, talk, talking about that. So talking about the whole entire US here and where we have very, very drastic differences in cost of living compared to somewhere as New York City and LA and San Francisco, Hawaii compared to somewhere like rural Mississippi or rural Arkansas, something like that. Um, so this, just some stats to back it up. Mississippi had the lowest cost of living at 83.5% in national average. Hawaii had the highest at 168.6%. And you're trying to, I mean, that drastic, nearly 100% difference in cost of living, you're trying to make the same federal minimum wage for both of those areas. And obviously, you can see where there's going to be issues when you do that to both areas. But um that's just something else I want to touch on. So I feel like that's kind of forgotten a lot when we're talking about federal minimum wage that we're not, where this is literally for the entire U.S., not left up to the state level. So Right. I mean, but like who in New York? But then it goes down to like, like even if you were to put it on states, like the people in Manhattan like aren't making, it's not the same as if, you know, rural. Yeah, I, I guess I, did. I didn't mean put it on the states. I just yeah, meant, yeah, I know, I know. Just yeah. like that's where I took that is like, okay, so like let's talk about New York. But then, like, people in Manhattan, for instance, my brother was making twice as much as my dad while living in New York. And my brother lived yeah. in a one-bedroom apartment while my dad's living on an acre in land. <laughs> so, like, the the cost of living just so much higher in Manhattan. But even that's even compared to, like, rural, the rest of New York. <laughs> pretty much rest of New York. Pretty much nearly the entire rest of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Very that's the thing. And so then... A federal minimum wage raising it. I mean, you're hurting these rural communities that these small local and or North or not North Carolina U.S. towns. But um, you drive just, you drive two hours, or I think it's like four hours to Warren, Pennsylvania, from New York City, and you're making minimum wage. You're doing pretty good. You're like, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're doing all right there. You got a job. Back. <laughs> so again, it goes back to the whole thing of. Why are we letting the market decide what wages should be, and instead of having the government overreach and yeah, so set those prices? And... Oh my gosh, there's there's so many talking points there. Like, 
yeah. you're now now we're reaching into okay so what what rights do the american have digging into not necessarily the pockets but the money exchange between american citizens and how much they can make and how much you can control how much somebody else makes from your business but then yeah. it kind of goes into taxes like how much what what taxes should be should be able to take it out of because you you know before you actually get the money you earn it's taxed and then after you get it it's taxed you're already getting double taxed <laughs> so it's like at what point like at what tax what what taxes um should you well what what percentage of your money should actually be taxed not really percentage but what individual taxes should you have because there's so many different taxes and that's a whole another argument like uh, i i I can't even get into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's crazy to me to think like I start a business now, legally start a business and the government has to tell me you have to pay your worker so much money. I mean, that's at some point you gotta be like, what if we just sat back and we're like, let's let, you know, these businesses decide. I mean, obviously if I came out and I said, uh, the paint, all these walls in this house and pay $3 an hour, well, no one's going to sign up to work. So naturally I'm going to have to increase my price. I mean, it's like, but I don't have to let the government tell me to do that. You know what I mean? So, right. but yeah, the whole taxes thing is a whole nother, whole nother topic. And I could, it's what I'm studying. So I could get really into that, <laughs> but that's for, that's for another day. Um, surprised you didn't choose that out of the, uh, the list I sent you. Yeah. Well, the list is a book. <laughs> <laughs> I might skip around some of the points. <laughs> Oh yeah. By he's way, like, he's um, like, here, what topics you want to talk about this week? And I thought it was like this, this one text and I realized I had to click more. And then it was literally the whole book. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, you really sent back, you choose. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't want to yeah. do that. So I, yeah, and, then, and then I sent him four topics, right? And he, and I really wanted to talk about alcohol. He goes, the top three in alcohol was the, to- uh, was the fourth one. I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, you don't want to talk about beer? Oh. <laughs> I mean, the alcohol one is, I mean, it's just a, such a quick topic. If we wanted to touch on it, we will. Samuel Adams what, came out with a beer that's illegal in, what, 15 states, I 15 think it is? 15 states, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the alcohol percentage is too high. So there, all the listeners know, the, all of our eight listeners know that there's eight spanning a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought it was cool. Jordan didn't think it was cool enough to make it. I think it's cool. I just didn't think it was a whole topic worthy. All right. Fair enough. I'll take it out of the list. I don't want to talk Utopias. About it. That's it. Twenty-eight percent. Two ten a bottle. Oh my god. Okay, so now it seems interesting, doesn't it? That's what I thought. All right. <laughs> yeah, now he's looking into it and it's a conversation. Twenty-eight percent. That's you get one beer and you get knocked for the night. Jordan, you get half a beer now and you're knocked for the night. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Uh, I don't even know where we were. I think we're kind of wrapping up the points. So. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. But it does it doesn't need well, one thing Democrats always look at, they always look at the major corporations and how much those <clears> people <throat> at the top are making. They're not looking at those smaller businesses that are making like sometimes they have to dig into their own pockets and they're taking out loans on a yearly basis. They're making zero dollars. They're, they're only being able to afford, you know, the apartment they have, and they're still having to supply for the employees they have. I don't think Democrats really look into that as much. They're only looking at, Oh, you know, Jeff Bezos is, you know, making all this money. He doesn't deserve it. (laughs) His workers should be making more than that. So let's raise the whole federal wage when they're not looking at the smaller businesses that keep this country running and how they're barely operating 
and off, off the minimum wage now, or even if they are right. paying their their employees ten dollars an hour or fifteen dollars an hour to raise it to twenty six would destroy the entire company. I mean, which these companies have to obviously. I mean, especially now with we've seen the this uh, effect from COVID that place places are having a hard time finding workers. I mean, this is affecting everybody, and it's uh, these companies are coming out and offering you know more incentives to work, more raising their pay themselves, and again letting the market decide what's best and not the government. So. Um, so is there anything else you want to hit on this very broad point that we uh, we decided on? Yeah, I was going to say this is a pretty broad point, but <laughs> not, I think it's one other thing I wrote down. I was real quickly just touch on this, too. Um, obviously, the more we talked about as you raise the minimum wage, companies got to lay off workers. But then also companies are going to turn to more automated processes. Um, you, uh, I think somewhere like McDonald's and all these McDonald's. fast food restaurants now have the touch screen orders as you walk in taking jobs away. Um, because obviously that's, that's cheaper for them in the long run to do something like that. So raising the minimum wage is all, only going to add to those things in the long run, take away jobs. So that's just another quick point I wanted to touch on. Yeah. And you actually brought up something that I read like a year ago when they were initially talking about the $15 minimum wage is that McDonald's was trying out like automated messages whenever you go to like drive through to where you didn't even wow. have, to have an employee on the other side. Like they tried it that's out great. in a couple locations. So it's, it's basically the more you raise the minimum wage, the more they look at, okay, so how much is this going to cost as a robot versus how much right. are you going to have to pay this person? You know, the, the, it gets a slower margin and then they're just going to take away the jobs completely. Yep. And this country will be ran by robots. Yeah. <laughs> Which one day, one day it's going to be whether or not we like it or not, but we'll keep it far from that as long as we can. But just like COVID, we can slow that spread. Next, we're going to talk yeah. about sex here. And I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now we're recording. All right. So, um, <clears throat> the mayor of Hudson, Ohio, is calling for the resignation of the entire board of education after high school seniors were assigned a controversial book with writing assignments that asked them to describe sexual experiences, to pretend they were a serial killer, and to describe the taste of beer. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing what is essentially child pornography in the classroom, Mayor Craig Schubert said Monday at a board meeting. This is a couple Mondays ago. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that I'm going to give you a simple choice. Either choose to resign from the Board of Education or you'll be charged, the mayor continued. It's not clear what charges the board members could face. David Zero, the board's president, said Wednesday that no member has uh, indicated any intention to resign. I haven't updated this, so I'm not sure if anybody has officially resigned. Uh, but the book contains prompts such as write a sermon for a beloved preacher who has been caught in a sexual scandal. Describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. Choose how you would die and write an X-rated Disney scenario, according to Cleveland.com. Other prompts ask students to write a sex scene. You wouldn't show your mom and then rewrite the sex scene from above into what into one that you'd let your mom read. It also asks students to drink beer and, and write about the taste and to list what television shows would be on their DVR list of their serial killers. This is all from NBC News. So that is my, probably the most interesting story I've heard in probably like the last year. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting, I mean, story, interesting stories that I, come about. I mean, that almost, like you read, reading that, I'm like, is that even real? I mean, that's, that's like insane. Listen here, I went to a, a, a private Christian school. I, uh, I was never asked to do any of this stuff. I don't know if this is somewhat common. In any type of school board, I haven't, I haven't been in public grade school in a long time. So. Yeah, um, 
but this is just absurd to my Christian mind. <laughs> like, this I should be absurd to anybody, though, not even coming from a Christian viewpoint. I mean, that's we're true. talking about school <laughs> here. We're not talking about some online class you can do on your own. I mean, this is like public education in the school system. I mean, that's, like, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Like, what are the, like, what are they even trying to write this off as? Like, creative writing? Like, I mean, honestly, it comes off kind of perverted and creepy, if you ask me. Yeah, like, what I mean, on earth is this Like, what doing? purpose is this doing, even in the long run? I mean, does it have, what age are these kids? Seniors. Seniors. Um, And they're even telling them to drink beer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what? Let's encourage something that's illegal. <laughs> like, like, this, this has to be illegal. Like... <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, um, he even uh, he even asked a judge, and yeah, it comes off as child pornography. And like, I don't even know how much of a conversation we can have about this. It's just, it's just so disturbing to think about that this is actually what's going on in some schools. Like, I'm hoping this is the only one that's ever happened. But you know, there's plenty of times where stuff occurs and then it never gets brought up at this high of a scale. Um, but I, I'm praying like, that this is the only school that has that has gone about this route. Of I mean, that, that's obviously very concerning. I think it leads into the whole other point of um, conservatism and morals being pushed away from the public school system and being so overly uh, progressive and what that's doing long term in the students' mind. I mean, these are the, this is the next generation of people being raised. Um, in a liberal environment, and I take that even from it coming from a public university right now in college. Um, I see it comes up, you know, on TikTok sometimes. It's like me pretending to be a liberal to pass my sociology paper, and it's like that, sh- that shouldn't even be a thing. We should be able to respect other sides' viewpoints and other sides' opinions. And right, I, I mean, this is obviously a whole other issue, but um, I, I think that definitely is something obvious in that that. You know, it's just concerning when you have half the population that makes up conservatives and it feels like in these public institutions that it's a minority or not even existing at all. It's like, are they remembering that literally 50% of the people are Republicans in this country and that's uh, being pushed away? And I, I talk a little bit about my own school here. Um, I go to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, down in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. And um, one of the board of trustees members, he's one of the only conservative members on the board, uh, came out last week and stepped down and said, uh, basically, the school silences conservative voices and like went off against the school about um, being basically uh, anti-conservative when it comes to making policies and hearing the other side's opinion, uh, which is obviously very concerning. And then um, we also had a professor back, uh, I believe it was last summer, if I'm mistaking or this past summer uh post on his facebook blow up republicans um he was a professor uh teachers recreation therapy um we'll go ahead and say his name dan johnson let's expose him so (laughs) it's public information so uh anyway he put this on his facebook and then the school came out and said you know basically we don't condone this and this is wrong you know and then turned an eye to it and no one talked about it again um and then on the other side of that uh I don't know if anyone listening familiar is with um, Mike Adams, but he was a conservative professor here at UNCW um, back in early or up until last year, but um, started in the early 2000s and 
gained a lot of national attention um, in 2014, I believe it was, uh, when he came out and said basically he's not getting a raise or not getting promoted at the school because of his Christian and conservative background. Um, and he sued, um, actually in 2007, my bad, he did sue. And then in 2014, he won that after seven years. Um, and he received uh, $700,000 from the school. Um, they basically backpaid him all of his uh, missed out salary over that time. Um, and then a little bit more onto that, um, last summer during the riots and during the COVID shutdowns, he made some controversial tweets at the school, you know, no one else was doing anything in the world. So everyone's like, well, let's work on firing conservative professors. Um, so there was these things to get him removed and he tweeted, um, tweets basically against our, uh, governor Roy Cooper and his COVID restrictions came out, basically said women's studies shouldn't be a major, said some interesting things on Twitter that, you know, may or may not should have been said. I mean, it was almost like he was trying to pick a point and be controversial, but, um, anyway, and then, uh, he was basically forced to retire by a school and the school settled with him and said, they'll pay him $500,000 over the next five years. Uh, this was, they said this in August of 2020. Um, and then at the end of July, he was, unfortunately, he was found uh, dead in his apartment from a self-inflicted uh, gunshot wound. And um, obviously a lot of conservatives on campus and the organization I was involved with, um, we came out and um, made a statement in support of him. And, you know, I, I had the privilege of hearing him speak in an abortion debate a few years ago, too. It was, with, um, it was a Christian abortion debate and it was with a uh, pro-choice uh, abortionist down in, I believe, Alabama or Mississippi. Um, and then... He was, and then Mike Adams, who was a conservative for life. Um, and he was a really intelligent guy. And then obviously seeing what the school did to him. And that's, again, back to um, Woody White, the board of trustees member that resigned last week, came out and, uh, you know, basically condemned the school and said they pushed Mike Adams to commit suicide and all the stuff, the way he was treated. And again, we go back to this whole thing we started the podcast with, just treating um, issues differently between conservatives and liberals if they want to come out and say look Mike Adams things were wrong we equally condemn them condemn them with the guy last summer that came out and said something in my opinion a lot worse below Republicans but either way um just not condemning things equally and then I I I know I got off a little bit on tangent here but this is just like something that I feel like you know not talked about enough because it's such a conservative issue and coming from a smaller school maybe not you know Public stuff, but I just wanted to get the point out there today. So. No, yeah, um, maybe we can hit on that another podcast. The the public's view on on Democrats and Republicans. Uh, definitely a sad story, though. I think you brought up yeah. his debate, his uh, abortion debate, in another podcast, or maybe it might have been when we uh, filmed but didn't post. But I remember you bringing it up at some point. Uh, I, I mean, I'll never. I wish I had that. I mean, I'm, it might be online somewhere, but I wish I had that whole podcast or that whole debate it was just really good it made a lot of good points and i think it is um, online because i've seen it but i don't know if it was if i saw it live and it just never got posted again or, but i did watch it yeah it, it's really really good to anyone if any of our listeners out there are listening um <laughs> grandma yeah uh i really would suggest listening to it. it's it's a good debate uh willie parker was a doctor's name uh dr willie parker versus dr mike adams um yeah, just a tragic story in the end, and uh, someone who obviously I made a multimillionaire from just the school's uh, settlements with them, and then committed suicide. So money didn't solve any of his problems, and and that could be a whole really, other topic. Yeah, 
really sad. But and then I mean wrapping up that whole point with the school board topic, just saying. And this is honestly something that could be talked about in an entire podcast episode too, but just, <laughs> um, I mean as an as an everything, but I think it's just really concerning. And I know um we talked a little bit before we started a podcast about the Virginia school board too. Right. Something similar going on there with the I I believe it was a woman found it was um like gay topics in her in some of the school libraries readings and stuff like that. And there's whole details behind that. We can touch on that another time, but um, yeah, this whole push by public institutions paid for by the government uh, for, are pushing these progressive ideas and silencing conservative voices, I think is a, a huge issue that is not talked about enough. And honestly, it's my opinion, pretty weak of the conservatives because they kind of sit back and I, my opinion, they let it happen. And um, I think that's, that's concerning in itself. I mean, you literally are half the population and you're being controlled by these progressive ideas. And it just seems pretty weak-minded to me. And I, I don't know. Right. I think it's best to get information out. And again, touch on something a little bit different too. I think um, a lot of conservatives brag we're the silent majority. And I, I, I literally like that hate that. Yeah, I hate like that. that so much. I mean, why would you want to brag about being silent about something, especially if you feel like you're in the majority and you know, maybe more realistically is probably about half and half in the nation. But um, yeah, I don't know how many thoughts you have on that. I just had to go off a little bit. No, no, you, you, you killed that. Um, <laughs> actually, what I was leaning towards was, uh, I know I, I briefly mentioned some of these topics, but I kind of wanted to look at them individually um, <laughs> and sort of look at it from the viewpoint like, all right, um, I'm probably closer to being a senior in high school than I am from actually having kids. <laughs> but imagine you have kids uh, and they bring home an assignment. You ask, okay, so what are you writing about? And they have a topic, for instance, write a sermon for a beloved preacher who has been caught in a sex scandal. Like I do not want to imagine my preacher as part of a sex scandal. <laughs> like, how, how twisted is that? I mean, that's just honestly yeah. a spit in the face of Christianity. Christianity. It really is. I is mean, this supposed to be like an attack of the Catholic Church or something? I mean, I would, I would think so. I mean, it has to. I mean, that's that's a direct insult. I mean, that just is. I mean, if that's not obvious, I don't know what else could be. So, um, describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. Okay, so I guess is this for all men and or is this for guys and girls? Yeah, that's even weirder. What um, the heck? <laughs> um okay so i i i guess i would i i guess you can make an argument for favorite part of your man's body could being something else but then it says only verbs and every verb you can think of will most definitely be applied yeah. to one specific part so whatever you say you, whatever verbs you use will your brain will automatically go to that specific part that we're all thinking of right now we know the intention there okay. so um choose how you will die i do not want to think about my death like you're just supposed to write how you think you're gonna die yeah uh that's a prompt what choose how you would die and i guess i guess you're writing about your death it's not really much of a prompt now is it (laughs) honestly i would have loved to get this assignment as a senior just so i could have literally went off (laughs) to the teacher (laughs) miss haney and like a nice a nice little gospel message in there you know (laughs) (laughs) go off with a gospel message i love it um here's like, I don't know how I'm going to die, but I know where I'm going to go when I die. Uh-huh. Amen. That's a good point. That's a great point. Um, there's always that, uh, like, there's as a question was like, choose, 
uh, like choose to know how you're going to die or choose to know when you're going to die right like people like get asked that like would you rather know which one and i was like neither like i don't want to know how i die like i don't know when either like what what kind of question is this i wouldn't even answer this question if a friend asked me no i know that's how i was just thinking i was like honestly i've been asked that question before in a friend group i was like what a stupid question i mean it's just, <laughs> like shouldn't it be even talked about uh write an x-rated disney scenario so the first thing i think of i don't know if you've ever seen the office but there's there's a part where um two farm animals are like getting it on and somebody like hacked into the system or something or or somebody in the paper manufacturing put it on a bunch of copies and it got sent out and it's like it's a funny episode that's the first thing that pops into my head um Mm -hmm. and it's and it's funny if you're an adult watching the office (laughs) i I don't know if that's what backed this um this prompt but it's a horrible prompt at high school students (laughs) yeah we're talking about school here maybe if he's even you can make argument maybe it's mature enough for a senior, but to have it in a school assignment. <laughs> like, geez, like you taught them sex ed like three years before. You think they're ready for this? Putting animated characters in that position? Um, write a sex scene you wouldn't show your mom. What sex scene would you show your mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, asking kids to drink beer and then write about the taste. Um, I mean, it's just so dumb. What what television shows would you would you watch if you were a serial killer? <laughs> you are you trying but to I initiate don't... a school shooting? Yeah, like I'm saying that's. Well, I'm just really concerned. Like, what what's the point behind this? Is there a logical reason why they're asking students these questions? I mean, because all I can think about is it just seems very perverted and just. I mean, what in the world? What are you trying to encourage? You know? Yeah, I think I think this further proves that when I have a kid, I'm most likely doing homeschool because <laughs> I am not putting my kid through anything even remotely near what's yeah. going on in these this school system. Also, um, Scotland, I think today or yesterday recently became the first country in the world to require um, LGBT all the alphabet numbers um, history to be taught in school. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Anyway, yeah, that was kind of interesting. It kind of relates to this too, so I'll just touch on it. But they have just examples of some of those stuff. They have a math problem that they're doing that um, the girls, um, the girls buying Father's Day cards for her two dads. Uh, they have another one where they're asking students to find various mathematical calculations using the LGBT rainbow flag. Uh, and then another one, they have to write a love poem, um, teaching, you know, all all this crazy stuff about LGBT. So again, just more progressive ideas. I know it's not American fact, but I definitely feel like we're not far off from having that in the states. So no, definitely. Um, do you know what age they're um, initiating this conversation with with their students? Mm. Like what grade they start? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. Do you, does it say? Oh. No, it doesn't say. Because um, that, that's like a scary thing, like the whole um, cross-dressers reading books yeah. to kids in libraries. Um, anyway, this is <laughs> we've, we've gone off track a couple of times. We'll hit very last point. We're talking about Hitler and what he did. Um, I love these transitions I'm adding in really on the spot. But yeah.
right, here we go. Um, I'm a huge history nut, so I'm actually really excited for this next topic. So, uh, I don't know why we decided on this topic. I guess I was, and you didn't want to do beer, so. Um, but I don't really know. I, I'm not really big into listening to what pop star singers uh, say or their opinions. Uh, I don't like. Oh, who cares? What? I hate all that stuff. Yeah, like I don't listen to athletes for my political news. I don't listen to to anybody, any type of celebrity. So I don't even know. And then what's even? Oh, sorry, I keep interrupting, guys. What's even worse is like when these people from Hollywood left or these athletes come out and support a conservative idea, and their morality and their background is so simple and not even close to the conservative background, and then people are like, "We're on the side." Because I know, I mean, we touched or not touched, but. um Nicki Minaj from Ghana, I guess. People are like, are they conservative and all this stuff? I'm like, really? Are we, I mean, do we know what she actually stands for? And then we're, I just, I mean, any, everything She's from Hollywood not, is just built right anyway. Now. So I don't know why we're even trying to associate with them. But first off, that's just like literally a pet peeve of mine is trying to like associate with these popular names, whether it be athletes or celebrities, to try to like gain more attention for some reason i don't know why conservatives are obsessed with that like right um no uh her story about her like cousin i think it was was probably <laughs> the funniest story like i don't I mean, think it was hilarious but, to it <laughs> yeah. but it was the iq level of that story is literally one if that <laughs> but um and yeah she she's as far as i know She's always voted Democrat. I mean, she backed BLM last summer. Uh, I mean, complete bill. The only thing that she's on the side of, I guess you can call us Republicans, not being, right? It's not, we're all pro-vaccine. It's just, you know, looking into the vaccine that we're, that Republicans are doing more of. And that's the only thing she's on the side with us with. Biggest, biggest, another big pet peeve there is, it's always liberals, pro-vax, conservatives, anti-vax. I think it should be more of, Liberals are pro-vaccine mandates, conservatives are anti-vaccine mandates. So. Yeah. Um, so if you guys have no clue what we're talking about right now, uh, Nicki Minaj posted a tweet. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. but I love, how, I love how he said, we don't like to get involved in celebrities talking about it. <laughs> you brought, <laughs> Here we are talking. You brought up talking. Nicki Minaj. I have to because, clarify. Because I was saying. saying how trashy it is to even bring that stuff up and yeah, whatever. But, talking yeah. about the lowest of human <laughs> beings, Nicki Minaj on our podcast. I love it. Go for it. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody listening could be totally lost. She posted basically saying she's not going to get the vaccine until she looks into it more because of this crazy story of how her cousin's like um, left nut <laughs> genitalia <laughs> got really big, and then she got he got dumped by his fiance because of it. Just this total <laughs> wacko story. <laughs> um, I mean, the, honestly, the funniest part of that story is that he got dumped. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dang, man. <laughs> One ball goes out and you're dumped. Sorry. Yeah, what a horrible human. Like the wife. Yeah. The soon to be wife. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, and so, you know, Jen Saki, like, invited her yeah, to the White House. Saki. Yeah, right. Like, the yeah. Biden administration is trying to get of Nicki Minaj into the White House to talk to her. Of course just they like, are. Like, like, why? Like, <laughs> anyway, okay, here we go. So I, I, well, then, then, like, Ben Shapiro, he said this on his show about, he's like, can you imagine if the country artist came out, like, this real hillbilly, hick Alabama guy, and was like, my cousin got the vaccine, his left 
statistical guy, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, the White, the White House would not be making a call and being like, oh, come, you know, we'll talk to you about the safety of the vaccine. They'd be like, what the heck is this man talking about? You know, again, would, double, double standards, it. double standards, even in the media. So They would talk about it just like when those same country people are talk, talking about how they see UFOs on a daily basis. Yeah. If it's the but, same guys. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving from this hillbilly country star to um share i personally do not listen to music so i honestly don't even know if i'm pronouncing it right are you um, talking about share the artist like c-h-e-r yeah interesting <laughs> i told you he doesn't even know what we're talking about today we are communicating <laughs> about this podcast is horrible <laughs> that's how crappy we run this but we have fun i was really passionate about a couple points today and then the rest just kind of like matt's got it <laughs> No, you definitely carried a few points. Um, time for my turn to, to back you. Um, but here we go. Left-wing pop star Cher, who campaigned for Joe Biden in 2020, compared the Republican Party to Hitler, warning that the GOP would destroy democracy in America from within, just as Hitler destroyed Germany from within. Cher made no mention of the Holocaust, which resulted in millions of deaths. So this was a tweet that she posted out. Um, Cher failed to mention the millions of innocent Jews who were murdered at the hands of the Hit Hitler's Nazi regime. It remains unclear if she actually believes Republicans are on par with Nazis who systematically killed innocent men, women, and children. The actor is in good company, however, as many Democrats have effectively minimized the Holocaust over the years after continually likening former President Trump to Adolf Hitler and his supporters to Nazis. President Biden himself has engaged in such comparison, even likening Trump to Nazi propaganda. Minister Joseph Goebbels, this is from Breitbart. Breitbart, wow, not Breitbart. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's kind of a trash story that we're hitting. <laughs> so don't blame you for clicking off at this point. But, um, yeah, I, we, we've we definitely been targeted as Nazis um, as, as in the past five years uh, because of supporting somebody like Donald Trump and, and his presidency. And this kind of is the kind of the same as what we talked about at the beginning of the show, minimalizing 9-11, minimalizing Pearl Harbor. And it's yeah. very clear yeah. they're minimalizing Holocaust over the past couple of years, acting like 6 million Jewish <laughs> backgrounds did not pass away at the time at the hands of, of Nazi Germany. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you just question like, why are you making these comparisons? Like, sure, you make something else to compare it to, but we're talking about, like the Nazi Germany ever. compared to the yeah. Republicans in the, the United States. I mean, like, what what is it you even thought? And I'll be critical of both sides. I, uh, as you were reading that, I remembered um, the I don't know how to say her name, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's the far right woman in yeah. um, Congress. Yeah. She always has made COVID uh, policies about Nazi comparisons, and it's like, really, can we stop with all these comparisons to things that are way worse than what we're actually experiencing? I mean, for both sides. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's like, why? Yeah. Why are we doing this? I, don't, I just don't understand. It's not making a point. It's making you sound really uneducated and stupid, quite honestly. So yeah. You're minimalizing a tragic event, and you're boosting what's honestly not as bad as you're making it seem. Um, yeah. So if you're curious um, about how Hitler came into power, I took an article from the history on the net. So Hitler was an excellent speaker and surrounded himself with people who, like him, were not afraid to use, use violence to fulfill their political objectives. 
At one stage, Hitler recognized that he was one of the best speakers in the Nazi party and demanded that they make him party leader, or he would walk out. They conceded, and he became party leader. So right there, great speaker. A lot of people followed the Nazi uh, party because of uh, his influence on them. So he basically said, hey, I'm going to leave and join another party unless you guys make me leader. Convinced them to make him leader. The grim atmosphere in the early 1930s greatly contributed to the rise of Hitler's Nazi party as it left Germans desperate for a strong leader. They considered the German government to be weak and the actions of Bruning. The Chancellor only added to the bitterness of the German nation. They suffered due to the harsh condition of the Treaty of Versailles and the Great Depression left many with huge financial problems, which were only worsened by Chancellor's dis- decision to cut unemployment pay and wages thanks to a very successful propaganda campaign focused on the poor and the suffering the nazi party rose from 12 seats in reichstag to 19 in 1928 to becoming the largest party in 1932 with 230 seats although the nazi party has become very had become very powerful they lost close to 2 million votes in november 1932 in reichstag elections which meant they only had 33 percent of the vote and not and not the majority they needed papen who wanted a position of vice chancellor and thought he could control Hitler, convinced Heidenberg um, to form a coalition with the Nazis and appoint Hitler as chancellor. Hindenburg finally gave in and appointed Hitler as chancellor. Hitler's final grab for power was when he negotiated with the Reichstag members to give him temporary emergency powers for four years, enabling him to act without the consent of parliament or German constitution. When negotiations were taking place, his large military force was surrounding parliament with the threat of war should they refuse, they didn't have much of a choice but grant him what he wanted, and Hitler became absolute leader of Germany. So, does that at all sound about... Sounds like sounds just like Donald Trump. <laughs> does that at all sound like the way America has ran ever? We have, <laughs> we have three branches of government with an attempt to make them all equal, and this guy became an absolute ruler. <laughs> This is this is the same as Putin giving himself 25 more years like he just did a couple years ago. He was just like because there's there's a time, I don't know if you know this, but there's like a time a um a Russian president can remain president. But the, he's a president that is an absolute ruler, so he can change that law. And Putin did. He was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna play for, be president for a few more years. So he did it. Like, there was nothing that was saying he couldn't. Like this is at all sound like oh, it's it's insane. Um, but yeah, I, I, and this talks about how Hitler is a great speaker. We think we all know Donald Trump <laughs> is not a great speaker. <laughs> Possibly one of the worst speech givers. I mean, he doesn't even give the actual teleprompter speech. So that's, that's like the worst part about him. <laughs> like, like he, I mean, it, it makes it honestly, when he talks like his, like his rallies and his speeches are actually interesting to listen to because he like just didn't care. Like he didn't follow no any teleprompter. It was just all very, very big, very <laughs> <laughs> he loved like the most basic vocabulary, like you know, the man. But like, like if you ever listen to Hitler speak, he's like all aggressive and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, listen to Trump speak. He's also like it was very, very good. <laughs> like, he's yeah. like the slowest, <laughs> most dry speaker. Like Oh my gosh. Um, and the, just the idea that one party could take over the entire country. I think she's, she, she mentioned the vaccine in, in her tweet. Um, she's talking something about like boosters. Like it really made no sense whatsoever. But I figured I'd mention it because I thought it'd be a fun topic. Um, yeah. 
but like she's she's basically i think she's talking about anti or supposed anti-vaxxers i guess i'm an anti-vaxxer even though i'm completely supporting of the vaccine um and how people aren't getting vaccinated or is she even went as far as getting boosters to the fda and cdc can't even like agree with each other who should be getting boosters and how many boosters and all that so that makes no sense joe biden joe biden got his today though so (laughs) well he's old (laughs) like like, i'm not saying that we need to put like um a max age on when you can become president but i think by the end of his term they're going to consider it um like i don't know I, I remember yeah. listening to Al Mohler talk about that before he was elected president. He was talking about with Trump, too. Like, I believe whichever one became president would be the oldest president by the end of the term. Um, and they're like, you know, you're, have you ever talked to somebody in their 80s and 90s? They're, they're not always all there. And who's to say the leader of the free world is going to be all there? Like, who's to say he's an exception? Anyway, that's totally off, yeah. off topic. No, there's a, a Republican senator that just announced a few days ago that he was uh, running for re-election um, in Iowa and he's 88 years old. That's, Senator Charles Grassley. That's another thing. Like it's not even the president, like it's senators yeah. too. I mean, 88 years old, you want someone 88 years old making the decisions oh, for how, us. I mean, that's, how old's Nancy I, mean, I hate Pelosi? to, I hate to judge them on their age, but at some point it's like, are they capable of holding that position? So. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. Nancy Pelosi's 81. Like these, the people ruling this country were like, were are, are born before baby boomers. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> Jeez, like I, I, I guess at the beginning, right? Eighty-eight. Is that is that a baby boomer? Is that is that right before? I don't know. I, I gotta go back into years. I don't really. I don't really. I don't know. My head. I know. I know. Like sixty-five. You're still a baby boomer, right? I think you're still considered a baby boomer. Oh, I don't know. That seems a little young. Well, I, old. I don't know. I know my dad is, and he's 67. Hmm. Maybe he, I have no idea. He might have been the last year. Maybe 1953 was the last year. I don't know. All I know is we got ancient people ruling this country. But <laughs> I think she's comparing people who aren't vaccinated to um, Nazi Germany. And um sure (laughs) i mean i i I can't have a reasonable conversation with Cher. i don't think about this topic (laughs) um i i don't have a desire to kill jews um because they don't look like me even though they do look like me and they also look like hitler I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i lost on this topic. I'm going to be honest. There's not many things that I read that leave me lost for words. This could be one of them. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Not as crazy as me being home alone and my door just opening, but. You know, with where you live, I might want to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> like I my door just like popped open and I was like, hello. I thought Jackson and then was I was there. Like, nah, he left. Where's he go? Probably girls. Oh, nice. All right. Well, with that note, he's uh, friends with a lot of girls. <laughs> he is probably. No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say it. Put some things out. If he was a senior at that high school, 
he could be writing from personal experience. Thank you for listening today. Um, <laughs> I had a blast. Jordan, I hope you did too. Um, That's a good episode. Good episode. Hopefully the virtual thing worked out. Hopefully yeah, I don't think I spoke that <laughs> Um, But yeah, we're now on YouTube. So yeah, if you want to go Chunk watch, if you, yeah, if you want to go watch this, it's going to sound the exact same, and you're just going to see a screen that says "Detrunking Truth." Um, <laughs> but eventually, we're going to get this uh, where you can see our beautiful faces at eight o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning when I pull up to Wilmington. <laughs> Looking forward to that. How are we doing this weekend? We rolling one this weekend? Yeah, I'm down. All right, beautiful. Maybe uh, push eight fifteen. Give me an extra fifteen minutes sleeping. You know, if you just leave the door unlocked. Then yeah, that's fine. Just let me walk in. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you again. Have a wonderful week. And yeah, you got anything? Clo- any closing words, Jordan? Since you started this, you can end it. All I'm saying: message to all conservatives: speak up on your college campuses at home. Make a, make your voice heard. Don't be a silent majority. That's my ending quote for the day. So. And he did not have to write that one down. <laughs>